thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's finally Friday. It's June 2nd, and today is National Rotisserie Chicken Day. It's also International Volkswagen Bus Day because everybody loves a hippie. It's also National Bubba Day. Not sure if they're talking about Bubba Kush, Bubba Gump Shrimp Co., or what they're actually referring to, but it is Bubba Day. It's also National Donut Day, National Rocky Road Day, and... National, get ready for this, everybody. That's right. National leave the office early day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woo-hoo. I thought that was every Friday. But nonetheless. You work in the office anymore? I'm just, I don't know. But thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live it on the internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico Lamide. It's Zozo's dad. It's also the Quasimodo caretaker and Baby Yoda's little bestie. That's right. It's the dope dad himself, Rico Lamide. <laughs> baby Yoda bestie. I like that one. Yeah, it might be my uh, favorite so far, BYB, baby. All right, so um, going down to Jason Beck's favorite state <laughs> in the union, Florida, Florida. <laughs> so Florida, uh, Florida just got one step closer to adult use legalization thanks to a thirty-eight million dollar boost of cold hard MSO cash. Florida's Department of State yesterday reported that the proposed ballot measure to legalize adult use cannabis gathered nine hundred sixty-seven five hundred twenty-eight valid signatures, more than seventy thousand above the requirement to reach the twenty twenty-four ballot. The constitutional amendment was proposed by an organization called Smart and Safe Florida, who reportedly, at least through April, spent $38.4 million on the effort to get the new measure on the ballot. A tab that was picked up by none other than MSO giant, Trulieve. I do have to say the signature numbers are a little murky. Uh, Smart and Safe announced in March that it had collected over 
uh, one million petition signatures, but they had not been certified by local election uh, election officials at the time. The Department of State on Thursday updated its website to, to show the most recent number of validated signatures and whether the new number sticks. Who knows? We all know Florida has quite a history of tallying accurate voting numbers. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But for the article, <laughs> the bill still faces a Florida Supreme Court review and an expected legal challenge from the state attorney general, Ashley Moody, whose office declined to comment on the measure. If cleared as is, the proposal will allow adults 21 and over to possess over three ounces of cannabis and, uh, for personal use and medical treatment centers legalized by the uh, statewide referendum in 2016 would now be allowed to sell to adult use consumers as well. Oh, looking at you, New York. Attorney General Moody blocked uh, a 2022 legalization ballot measure, but curiously amended the amendment to Florida Supreme Court for review was sent to, excuse me, was sent to this uh, Florida Supreme Court for review, stating in her letter that she'd argue the proposal doesn't comply with state law, which includes a requirement that it contain quote, clear and unambiguous language. Briefs in the case are due July 12th, and if it does make it to the ballot, and analysts are speculating the measure could significantly boost voter turnout among young voters, possibly heavily influencing 2024 Florida races. Very interesting as well. Former President Donald Trump carried Florida in 2016 and 2020, but the state uh, backed Democrat Barack Obama the two previous presidential elections. 21 states have legalized recreational cannabis, while 37 have approved medical marijuana in some form. So it remains illegal on the federal level. But if dropping $38.5 million to fund getting adult use on the ballot ain't the power move that makes True Leave synonymous with all things Florida, weed i don't know what will with currently 186 retail dispensaries across 11 states no other company in the industry has bet harder on the sunshine state than the hometown champions true leave so speaking on the measure this is what uh, ceo kim rivers rivers had to say our investment demonstrates our firm belief that floridians are ready to experience the freedom to use cannabis for personal consumption a freedom which is currently enjoyed by more than half of america's adults so personally I think adult use in Florida is a good thing, but the fact that an MSO, homegrown or not, a major corporation had to push to get this thing going, I think it's worrisome, to say the least. But that's just me. I'd love to hear from y'all. Is Rico Lamit the dopest dad on the street? What do y'all think about this one? Well, don't major corporations, you know, really push forward all legislation, <laughs> you know, not yeah. just cannabis leg legislation. They you know, do. With, they uh, do. Yeah, yeah they, they do. I, I think it's just weird that um, it, it, to see this in the cannabis in industry because it's never been like that in the cannabis industry and the third most populous state in the union is just going to have state sponsored weed man. i will say i will this, say this. i do I think, think that uh, uh this florida this bill florida will probably be better than uh bills that have been backed by other groups such as like dpa and whatnot um so we'll see we'll see what happens but i do think they should have allowed home grow but that's neither here nor there I'm surprised you uh, didn't go for the uh, George Soros backed DPA. I mean, it is George Soros backed DPA, but you know, I, I wasn't trying to go there that early, Rico. But I'm fine. Run, run it, run it, run it. You brought it up, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. You got an echo going there? I don't. I don't understand what's going on. It's the cavernous halls of Mar-a-Lago. 
Silence. Maybe. You know Adam? Adam Adam's shaking his head no, so I don't know. I hear it. You hear it? Which pretend it's not there. Is is home cultivation allowed in Florida? I don't think it is. No. So They're saying this, it. So if it if no home cultivation of any kind is allowed, how can we even call it legalization? It's really commodification and corporatization. Yeah. Oh, commodification. I love that word, Omar. Ooh. I like That's that. a woke word. Words. That is not a woke word. That is a, a word that woke people don't like. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's the word that, that, that woke people don't like what is a woke person jason Can hold on hold on hold on hold on what, what'd you say dr Talleyrand? what's this going to do for the patient we know what what patient did in california for the patient well in all fairness i mean i don't think the patients are really benefiting in florida when you have like moldy and boof weed uh for for them to be purchasing so i mean it's all gonna be true leave regardless right is, is, is true leave good yeah. weed no what? Oh, what were you talking? I'm asking. I'm asking. Is it true leave good weed? No, I would never smoke no true leave weed. Well, it's all going to be true leave out there. So, uh, are the because uh, no, as around asked, yeah, are the patients going to benefit? There's other companies, bro. Stop it. There's other companies in Florida. It's not only true leave. They just are the biggest player in the game. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying Follow to money. Follow the money. If the entire state's legalization effort was funded by True Leave, do you think True Leave is not going to have a say in everything that goes forward? Oh, 100%. They're going to have the biggest say, but at the same time, they're the ones that are going to write the rules. And so, therefore, when they write the rules, they know all the loopholes that they have created and those be up for other companies to figure those loopholes out. So it's probably going to be True Leave weed. I mean, not what I'm smoking, but <laughs> just saying. Yeah, uh, Dr. T, my response is that I, I don't I don't think they're um I don't think this benefits the uh the, the patients at all. If they wanted to benefit the patients, you know, truly already is running the medical um the medical vertical there in Florida regardless. I think there's just a money grab. They want more market share and they want to take over the market. Um it's a good play for them, uh, and, and a capitalist from a capitalist point of view, but um I think the the patients and consumers are gonna be the ones that um are just gonna be uh they're just going to be at the mercy of whatever True Leave wants. True Leave's going hard in Florida because they are getting stomped and going out of business everywhere else. And Florida is such a tightly and corruptly regulated and controlled market that they have a chance of flourishing there, yeah. whereas they're closing down their grows and dispensaries oh, nationwide I see, I see, right now. I see how you're dovetailing your story today. Yeah, Matt. you like that? <laughs> I, 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 lear I learn when I read. Thank you for the article, brother. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be interesting, indeed. Uh, yeah, just like you said, uh, Saint Germain, Trulieve is going hard in the paint in their home state. They see what's going on in uh, California. See what's going on in uh, in New York, where things are looking like shaky. And um, Florida is the last bastion of hope for. Oh, I wonder, Rico. If the reason that things are looking so shaky in New York is because the the weed that's legal up there is so dry. It's over a year and a half old. <laughs> You keep on saying that, dude. <laughs> keep on saying that. Who are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about somebody in particular? No, no. All the weed, all the hemp farmers that grew all the weed that they're allowed mm -hmm. to sell, and so like it, it was, it sat around for like a year and a half before they even got the program off the ground to be able to sell. Yeah. Those, 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 all those farmers still sold the weed at like crazy astronomical rates to these countries. When you keep it that long, do you have to just keep on retesting it? Hold on, bro. I have pictures of how it was kept, bro, and it was not stored in adequate storing. Uh, procedures according to any 
any, even the most boofiest cultivator SOPs on the planet. So do you have to keep on testing it for a uh, potency like along the way? Like, like how is that handled? Let me to tell you. Out to, 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 to out the customers. About 20% decline in cannabinoids and, and terpenes after about six months, no matter what kind of packaging you have. And I, bet it's still, I bet it's still labeled at 42%. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting indeed. So, you know, we're going to go to this uh, first uh, commercial, Jason. Yeah, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Stretch and smoke. Vortex. Tuesdays. Let's get it. Smoky Vanilla One. Stretch and smoke. You can follow me on Twitter at Smoky Vanilla. On Instagram, uh, Smoky Vanilla One. Stretch and smoke. Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. And on uh, Social Club, Stretch and Smoke. Let's go. Background in kinesiology (laughs) and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. Well, I'm looking amazing. So, if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get a Stretch and Smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Let's go. Maybe they're calling because they want a stretch and smoke with That's right, baby. vanilla. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. ah. <laughs> Is that the was that the director's cut? <laughs> 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 this is fantastic coming to a late night cinemax screen near you right, we, try, we try to entertain over here we, we do do our best to entertain oh my god <laughs> cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer the west hollywood president of cannabis tourism and smoky vanilla's muse <laughs> coming to the stage oh it is jason beck Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. And you know what? There's some reason for celebration today. All right. This is something I don't typically cover, but you know what? It's today. We're going to celebrate because it's Friday. But a Rastafarian gained sacramental rights to marijuana in Antigua and Barbuda. And they celebrate the freedom of worship. That's right. On the same ground where their enslaved ancestors were forced to plant sugarcane, Rastafarians on this small island nation are now legally growing and ritualistically smoking marijuana. For the Rastafari, the people uh, brings them closer to the divine. But for decades, many have been jailed and endured racial and religious profiling by law enforcement because of their marijuana use. The government of Antigua and Barbuda have sought to right that wrong. The Twin Islands recently became one of the first Caribbean nations to grant Rastafari authorization to grow and smoke their sacramental herb. We now, in in a quote, we're more free now, said Ross Tashi, a member of the Ross Freeman Foundation for the Unification of Rastafari, who was arrested several times for growing cannabis but refused to plead guilty because to him, 
It's a God-given plant, he says. On a recent Sunday, he led chants and praise in the tabernacle of the Foundation's farm located in Liberdia's lush agricultural district. Atashi puffed on a corn husk wrap joint while others passed chalice pipes and waved Rastafarian flags in the green, gold, and red colors of the faith. Oh, yeah. The government, get in the quote, the government gives us our religious rights. We can we can come and, and plant any amount of marijuana, and no police can come and take up any plant. We fight for that right, and we got that right, he said. Rastafari uh, elsewhere are pushing for similar religious protections. Experts and stakeholders think the Antigua and Barbuda law could give a boost to these efforts worldwide at a time when public opinion and policy are continuing to shift in favor of medical and adult use marijuana use. Under the same law change, the island government also decriminalized the use of marijuana for the general public. In addition to the expansive religious use granted to the Rastafari people outside, the outside the faith can grow four cannabis plants each and possess up to 15 grams. In a quote, we believe that we have we, we have to provide a space for everyone at the table, irrespective of their religion, Prime Minister Gaston Brown told the Associated Press at an interview in his office in the capital city of St. John. In a quote, he says, just as we've recognized other faiths, it's absolutely important for us to also ensure that the Rastafari faith is also acknowledged and to acknowledge their constitutional right to worship and to utilize cannabis as a sacrament. Ganja, as marijuana is also known, has a long history in the Caribbean region, and its its arrival predates the Rastafari faith. Indentured servants from India brought the cannabis plant to Jamaica in the 19th century, and it gained popularity as a medical herb. It began to gain wider acceptance in the 1970s when Rastafari and reggae culture were popularized through music icons such as Bob Marley and Peter Tosh, two of of faith's most famous exponents rastafari reject materialistic values and often practice a strict oneness with nature eating only unprocessed foods as part of their i tell their faith's vegetarian diet they also let their hair grow uncombed into dreadlocks but Many of them were long treated as second-class citizens across the Caribbean islands, looked down on for their dreads and sacramental marijuana use. The prime minister said that, that growing up poor in Antigua, he witnessed how adult Rastafarians were chased by police and locked up while children were not allowed in schools because of their hair. Uh, Brown also recalled how members of the Rastafari generously fed him ITEL meals when his single mother who had a mental illness struggled to raise him and his siblings. In a quote, he says, they embraced me, he said in his office overlooking palm trees, green hills, and the turquoise Caribbean waters. He says, it speaks to that positive value of brotherly love. I was always socialized to embrace Rastafari. After Brown took office in 2014, he appointed Ross Frank I, the late respected Rastafari leader, ambassador to Ethiopia in in 2018, Brown apologized publicly to the Rastafari community for the oppression and religious persecution they suffered. He also said that Rastafari should be given a stake in the production and economic benefits derived from medical marijuana as reparations 
for the wrongs inflicted on this significant minority group in our countries. His government also helped build the Rastafari-run public school and led efforts to decriminalize marijuana use. And earlier this year, he met with Rastafari groups and granted them licenses from the country's medical cannabis authority to grow and plant for religious purposes. In a quote, we have adopted many European and non-European religions, and we have a pan-African religion. And instead of embracing it, we have sought to destroy it, Brown told Rastafari members in March. In another quote, he says, I want to encourage you to stand your ground and continue to exercise that resilience. <clears throat> Excuse me. The changes have faced some opposition from some politicians and Christian leaders in the socially conservative Caribbean region, but Rastafari academics praised Brown's apology and his government's actions, saying this tiny, tiny nation of about 100,000 people has gone further uh, than regional efforts by larger countries and could set a global example. Jamaica and, most recently, the U.S. Virgin Islands granted sacramental rights to cannabis, but Charles, Pr Charles Price, a professor at Philadelphia's Temple University who focused on Rastafari identity said that it is Antigua and Barbuda's comprehensive initiative that could spur more uh, organiz or organizing for the sacramental recognition of cannabis on their islands. They have become test cases for the rest of the Caribbean, he said. They'll suggest the viability of this so other nations can look to towards these two nations and say, ah, they've done it. Though the though a, a lease from the government, a for, a former sugarcane plantation, a symbol of slavery and British colonial oppression in Antigua, has been transformed into worship grounds, sustainable farmland, and the headquarters for Ross Freeman, one of the island's main Rastafari groups. In a quote, this might be a small win, but it's something we can definitely celebrate and feel proud of that the lands that were once used to enslave our people were using it to liberate our community, said Ross Ritchie, a member of the group. He's also co-founder of Humble and Free Wadadelia. During the recent Sunday worship service, the breeze fluttered uh, vernant leaves on the marijuana fields surrounding the gray stone remnants of the sugar mill, and inside the nearby tabernacle, it moved clouds of fragrant marijuana smoke that hung in the air with, while Ross Freeman and members chanted psalms, mutilated, and banged on Niabingi drums. Oh, yeah. The attitude, he's going to quote, the attitude towards towards it has dramatically changed, and it's more in a positive light, Ross Kyoto Erasto, Ross Freeman's chairman, said outside the tabernacle while he gassed branches of dry cannabis leaves. In a quote, he says, we give thanks for the prime minister. His government bravely stood up with courage to decriminalize and even to give sacramental rights to the Rastafarian community. Erasto said he suffered bullying and discrimination growing up. At one point, he said his mother had to cut his dreadlocks off so he could just be allowed to go into school. It was sad, he recalled. I loved my locks as a child. Rastafari dreadlocks are a antenna towards the cosmos to connect with their planets, the sun, the moon. It's the transmission receiver towards messages out there that come to us in a spiritual sense. And Ernesto, who now has very, very long, white, gray, blowing locks. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a big win for the community out there, and I want to hear what y'all have to say, especially Rico, because they view this as a form of reparation. So what do y'all think? This is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour.
I think this is huge, man. <clears throat> this is like, um, I mean, it's, it's part of their religion. It's part of their spirituality. Um, uh, not allowing them to um, um, take advantage of uh, the plant for sacrament is like not allowing Catholics to have communion. Um, so I think this is this is absolutely huge. Um, you know, I, I disagree with, you know, um, a, a commercial a commercialization or giving somebody a quote unquote business as uh, reparations. But that's a whole different story. So I won't go down that that, that path with you today, Jason. But um, I think this is, I think this is good. I hope the other um, uh, nations and uh, territories in the Caribbean follow suit uh, with this one. Uh, what it, it really hit with me on several, several, several levels because my wife's uh, uh, father is a, um, he's a reggae legend and he's a Rasta, uh, Rasta as well. And um, I've heard the stories of the Rastas and um, the movement in Jamaica um, to ban dreadlocks for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, kids are going in schools in Jamaica, they, they can't have dreadlocks, right? You have like this, this, this white version of what you should be, what you should look like. And then uh, the fact that they're importing uh, cannabis there it just like it, it tears me apart but um the, the, the fact that this is cleared like i absolutely love it and i hope they um the other uh, territories out there do the same yeah it just makes sense you know finally something that makes sense <laughs> you know right yeah I think this is great news and to quote my deceased client uh love fire Ja lives, you know, this is uh, great news for all of the religious observance of the Aital lifestyle who um, are not seeking Babylon, but instead Zion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I really I really like this story. I want to congratulate them for all their hard work and perseverance to get this across the finish line and the courageousness of the politicians that and, this. And, and i did want to say uh, uh, one thing um, um nicole buffong uh, usually covers our caribbean stories and mm -hmm. uh, she has a um a, a strong caribbean roots and she actually uh, speaks about barbuda um as well so hopefully she has some more color uh, to add to this uh next week because uh, i'm sure we're gonna we have not heard the last of this and i can't wait to hear what's next oh yes without a doubt i just want to see how how it how it resonates with other Caribbean nations and if they are going to take a leap of faith as these two nations did. But I have one question for you, Rico. Yes, sir. When they mentioned the, the reference of how they had a sugarcane plantation and now it's a cannabis field, isn't that similar to like when you have an old prison and you turn it into a cultivation? It's comparable. It's comparable, okay. right? Yeah, I can say it's comparable. Okay. Um, yeah, like if you're in Jamaica, you see like Appleton Estates and like all of the mm -hmm. um, sugar factories, but the uh, the rum factories. But um, all the the locals they they always drink on the um, uh, the overproof rum. <laughs> so like it, it doesn't it doesn't really have you can't really measure that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke blunts, uh, eat beef patties uh, all day, and drink overproof rum. So we did. <laughs> Yes, sir. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. We're going to keep this thing rolling. We are going to move right on in to the Count himself, the immortal Count who has been around for centuries but likes to act like he's just been around for 50 or so years. That's right. It's the Count himself, Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Jason. Happy Friday. It's great to be here with everybody on a Friday. I've been uh, working so much out in Lodi, I haven't had much uh, high at nine time. So my story dovetails into that other True Leaf story with a cannabis company fined for worker death in Holyoke is closing up shop in Massachusetts and elsewhere. 
The marijuana company that settled with federal workplace safety regulators last year over the death of an employee who rolled joints at its growing and processing facility in Holyoke announced Thursday that it would close dispensaries in Northampton, Framingham, and Worcester by June 30th. True Leaf Cannabis Corporation will also cease operations at its cultivation site in Holyoke by the end of the year. Uh, they're citing the need for additional measures to preserve cash and improve financial performance. These difficult but necessary measures are part of ongoing efforts to bolster business resilience and our commitment to cash preservation as we continue to focus on our business strategy of going deep in our core markets and jettisoning, jettisoning non-contributive assets, their CEO Kim Rivers said. Man, that's just like every biz speak word there in one sentence. After it closes up shop in Massachusetts, a true leave dispensary in Bristol, Connecticut will be the company's only location left in New England. The Florida-based company, whose dispensaries span nine states, will close select retail locations in California and will completely pull out of the Nevada wholesale market as well. In December, True Leave paid just over 14500 to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to settle the case related to the January 2022 death of Lorna McMurray. We covered that back. Uh, she was f filling pre-roll joints and had a lung collapse um, due to uh, the, the, the powder in the air. And so she had occupational asthma, and OSHA is, in addition to finding true leave, is looking into instituting new uh, rules for, for making pre-rolls to protect workers. The belated disclosure of McMurray's death nine months after it happened prompted widespread condemna condemnation of true leave, including from a former supervisor for the company who said there was a culture of silence at the Holyoke plant that prevented workers from speaking up to executives about safety concerns. Unionization efforts were underway at Truly's Massachusetts sites, another reason they probably pulled out. Marijuana employees, labor leaders, and cannabis advocates also criticized the State Cannabis Control Commission, which conceded in October that it was already investigating complaints from employees at the Holyoke facility when McMurray collapsed. The State Marijuana Agency has yet to report any updates or conclusions to its investigation. A commission spoke, spokeswoman said Thursday that the in investigation is pending and ongoing. Um, so... This is people that I would say are really operating with, uh, w without guidance, without a North Star in the cannabis world. And what you see is, is companies like this that are solely focused on profits and have no understanding of what they're trying to create are, are shooting in the dark, causing all kinds of untold harm and collapsing. And I don't think it's really the size of your organization here. It's how you steer it. Uh, if you care about the cannabis plant, you care about making a positive contribution to society, I think that there's a way forward and you can make money. I'm really interested to turn this over to everybody else and 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 see what you guys think about both this True Leaf situation, the MSO situation, and and this period we find ourselves is in that's tumultuous to say the least. This is Saint Germain for the Hyatt Nine News. Oh yeah, this is kind of ties it. You know, I always say follow the money, man. It's uh, ties everything together. <laughs> I didn't realize True Leaf has such a strong pullout game. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled out of one and went all in on the other. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this is uh, it's crazy because um, after you know they they went for the settlement with OSHA, like like knocking that down from what was it like something laughable like thirty five thousand like for mm -hmm. the death, and, and, and they argued that down and, and got a settlement for like under ten thousand in the end of all this, and now right. they're just like and now they're pulling out. And uh, leaving all these people jobless in the community that they just like built up, like I, I really do hope that because um, when I was covering that story, it was it, it was very interesting. Um, it will be revisited. Just put it just put it that way. Um, it's it's interesting what was going on and what I could not say um, because of Leafly that was in tie, uh, that was tied. 
to the story. Their legal counsel didn't want us uh, saying certain things when we covered uh, the Holyoke death. Um, and um, the community did not want to speak out against Trulieve uh, um, because of all the jobs that they created. So Holyoke, Massachusetts, as small as it is, um, the, the the town was revitalized by the cannabis industry, and it has um, a, a more than twice the amount of licenses than Boston in the same wow. state. So um, it just goes to, to show like how big of a hole that they're going to be leaving if they're closing down in that state. And I hope that they have uh, jobs to fill those uh, the needs of those people because it can crater the economy there. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there justification for getting a sweet deal that they provided jobs yeah. in the community and yes. that was you know, they didn't want to uh, get a stiff penalty because that would force them to leave. And now they're yes. leaving on their own accord after they got leniency. Right. Yes, sir. It's infuriating, especially for the families of the women who died. Exactly. And, and then they were the ones that were so, so, so against unionization, right? <laughs> well, that's a big reason why they left is because they, they can't prevent union meetings and organizing. And so a lot of times companies mm -hmm. will just fold up shop or, or, change locations to disrupt union organization activities. And, and this, I, I'm glad that they failed in this because a big reason a lot of folks like myself were in the cannabis economy was because instead of this, this typical business structure where you have the sea level who gets to go to the Maldives and, and Bermuda and Barbados three times a year and everybody else yeah. gets a name tag minimum wage, there was yeah. a more equitable pay structure. And so I like to see unionization in the cannabis industry and, and, you know, any owner can get ahead of unionization by offering healthcare and above, uh, you know, above starvation, and above poverty wages. And I just think that we keep seeing a lot of my social media right now is just overrun with people like snatch and grab, like mass snatch and grabs in stores. And, and, and what I see is, you know, a lot of people want to talk, you know, shit about governments and, 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 oh, this liberal government, that liberal government, in the city. And, and really you get down to it. Like there's a breaking point when you pay people poverty wages or less, you don't provide them any ability to even just pay their bills and feed themselves and their families. You continue to jack rent and you continue to jack the price of everything. We've been seeing inflation is over 40% corporate corporate profits. And we're getting all these stats back that what we've been told was five to 8% inflation. A lot of that is just, is just people jacking up the price and using the supply chain and, and other excuses in order to rake in giant profits. And we're just finally reaching a point where, we're going to find out where the popping point of this membrane is between paying nobody and taking everything from them. And, you know, so I, for one, to round this back, I'd like to see cannabis companies paying a good living wage, a yeah. pro unionization. And I'm glad to see True Leave out of the space because it, it provides maybe some space for a better actor in Massachusetts. I hope, it, I, I hope it does. And I hope those jobs are replaced and the people, people continue to, um, to, to thrive out there, not just survive. Time will tell. I'm still not a fan of unions because they exploit people, too. But we got to go back to a commercial and we'll be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com.
Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure that you're subscribed to this channel. Make sure that you hit that like button. And also, while you're at it, make sure you head over to www.hiat9news.com. Sign up for our newsletter because we worked all last weekend to make sure that it's working. So we do not think it's going to go into your spam box anymore. We think it's going to go right into your inbox. You're going to get a confirmation email. Tap that confirmation email, and then you are officially subscribed. We also have amazing merch on our site. And also, too, make sure that you tell your friends on Share This Show because organic growth is the best growth. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. This OG industry doctor is the founder of Medican and co-founder of CESC, and he has been in the game longer than your last CVS receipt. Come to the stage. Y'all know who it is. Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Happy Friday, everyone. So my headline today comes from Pain News Network, an independent nonprofit news source. Medical cannabis effective but expensive for New Zealanders by Pat Anson. What happens early happens often. In California, we've realized for quite some time that cannabis is effective medicine. Our laws have progressed to make cannabis more accessible, yet some things haven't changed. Cannabis using patients, as they have for decades, continue to illegally acquire cannabis at a high rate. Researchers in New Zealand are just discovering what we already know in California. They interviewed 213 people enrolled in New Zealand's medical cannabis program. Participants were asked about the quality of ca cannabis they use and its effectiveness. Findings were published in the journal Drugs, Habits, and Social Policy. As high as 96% reported that cannabis helped them with their medical condition. Almost half said that they were able to reduce or stop taking prescription drugs. This is a, clearly a revenue problem for the pharmaceutical industry. The most common therapeutic use of medical cannabis was pain relief, where 96% of participants said it helped reduce their pain. Cannabis also helped users who had difficulty sleeping and those with mental health issues. Of the participants who took cannabis for other reasons, such as autism, attention deficit disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and difficulty eating, 98% found cannabis helpful. According to co-author Jeff Noller, this both reinforces that they experienced some actual effect from using cannabis in that they ceased or decreased other medications with recognized efficacy. And in the case of many of these other medications, they reduce their use of potentially more pro problematic medications. Do we need more study? Sure. But the empirical evidence is clear. As medicine, cannabis works. Many New Zealanders find medical cannabis difficult to obtain, relying on the illegal market. According to another study, only 6% of Kiwis who use cannabis acquire it through their medical cannabis program. Many New Zealand doctors won't prescribe medical cannabis. 
There are a limited number of products on the market, keeping prices high. CBD oil in New Zealand can cost a patient $150 to $350 per month, with other cannabis products costing even more. At present, current regulations appear to be creating problems for many New Zealanders who otherwise report positive benefits from the use of medical cannabis, says Noller. In my opinion, cannabis users are hamsters on a wheel spun by a pharmaceutical industry that it has yet to decide how to capitalize. Legal products are scarce or in poor quality, and costs are high in New Zealand, in California, everywhere. The current cost of one gram of flour per day can be on average $300 per month or more. This is not sustainable for those of low means who require treatment every day. One step forward, one step back, as the powers that be support rhetoric and legislation that keeps cannabis at arm's length from the suffering. That includes any legislation that proposes to tax and collect from those who are sick. Cannabis should be free. Grow it in your backyard. Share it with your neighbor. I speak for the patient. I'm Dr. Jean Talleyrand for Hyatt 9 News. I love that name, Dr. Talleyrand. I speak for the patient. The Lorax. I like that. Yes. <laughs> well, I wish I wish more doctors. I hear them every day. Yeah. We um, need. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Are the prices like pretty much the same in New Zealand as uh, Australia? Because I know like inflation's like to the U.S. dollar in Australia is like probably, absolutely crazy. It'd probably be more because it's probably shipped to Australia and then they boat it over to New Zealand. They're growing it in New Zealand. I'm just saying most of it, most of it's all imported from California. Well, they should grow their own. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely grow their own. Yes. Right. Um, oh, be buying California weed. No. It's better. It's just better that way. It's bad for the environment. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dr. T, what, what's, I mean, what's your take? Um, should patients with like qualifying conditions should they be able to um access have access to like, like free medicine yeah i think we can pull it off i mean I, i'm i'm from the days of the compassionate use act that's kind of what i got into this for there are people who are sick there's a plant that helps them it's pretty easy to connect mm -hmm. um, back in the day people used to be given free uh, when they couldn't afford uh and these days it's just not happening so, you know, I encourage my patients to just grow. Do you think we have any any chance of, I mean, capitalism is what it is. You see what's going on in uh, in Florida right now. Do you think there's any chance that we see a just like a like medical uh, revitalization of the, the, the medical side of the game and just like getting that compassionate services out to, uh, to folks nationwide? Well, I mean, my, my patients have started an exchange program. They, they, they exchange with each other. The, um, but I'm, I'm in a rare place. I'm in Northern California. So mm -hmm. most of them are used to growing and sharing. Um, but it has to be a worldwide movement. Basically. Yeah, it does. That, that, that is 100% correct, Dr. T. We need, a, we need this happening on a global scale, not just in these little microcosms. Agreed. I know, I know you got. I know you got something to say on this one, uh, MSG. What you got, man? Everybody worldwide, let's all grow weed and share it, and then start learning how to grow mushrooms and share the hell out of those as well. Oh boy! Yep, mushrooms make you smarter, more well adjusted, and they're super fun too. So do some mushrooms. <laughs> oh boy! We're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Thank you so much for that. 
How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, that's right. It's the lawyer that will also not only break break you out of court, but will also break your back in jujitsu. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, too, you can find his book anywhere you find books, Cannabis Laws and Regulations, the 2023 edition. That's right. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from KTVU.com by Freddie Brewster. The headline is, Bill Allowing Amsterdam-Style Cannabis Cafes Passes California Assembly. A state assembly bill that would allow Amsterdam-style cannabis cafes where customers would be permitted to consume the tranquilizing herb on site received broad partisan support on Wednesday, passing the assembly 64 to 9. While on-site cannabis consumption is allowed in certain circumstances, AB 374 would permit the sales of non-cannabis-infused products and allow for a more inviting and coffee shop-style experience. Current law bans the sale of non-cannabis-related products. Lots of people want to enjoy legal cannabis in the company of others, and many people want to do that while sipping coffee, eating a scone, or listening to music said State Assembly Member Matt Haney, Democrat of San Francisco, the bill's author. There's absolutely no good reason from an economic, health, or safety standpoint that the state should make that illegal. If an authorized cannabis retail store wants to also sell a cup of coffee and a sandwich, we should allow cities to make that possible and stop holding back the small businesses. Haney's sees the bill as one that will build on California's deep roots in cannabis culture and set the state on a path to better compete with Amsterdam, a city of 1.4 million people located in the Netherlands that is also known for its cannabis culture. Amsterdam currently has over 700 cafes that permit on-site cannabis use, which rake in an estimated $1 billion annually. Haney hopes the bill will help move the cannabis industry out of a pharmacy-like business where customers simply pick up their supplies at a dispensary and leave into one that is more sociable. He also hopes the bill will allow this currently struggling cannabis industry a greater opportunity to diversify its businesses and to promote tourism in downtown areas and other struggling business districts across the state. California small businesses are struggling, Haney said. Issues like oversaturation, high taxes, and the thriving black market are hurting cannabis businesses who follow the rules and pay taxes. Nightlife industry groups are excited about the bill's potential. Allowing cannabis lounges the common sense option to sell food and beverage that isn't pre-packaged and giving them flexibility to provide entertainment will provide a much needed lifeline to legal cannabis retailers who are struggling mightily to survive in the industry. The California Nightlife Association said in a statement of support to legislators. Additionally, 
This bill will give our communities new exciting opportunities to offer arts and entertainment in spaces where it was previously impossible to do so economically. The bill, however, is facing opposition from major health-related industry groups such as the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, the American Heart Association, and the American Lung Association. This bill could essentially turn a cannabis establishment into a restaurant and potentially force workers to accept exposure to toxic chemicals in order to keep their jobs, the three groups said in a letter of opposition to lawmakers. Workers should not have to choose between their health and a good job. California has fought hard to protect workers and ensure a safe, healthy, smoke-free work environment. AB 374 will undo that by recreating the harmful work environments of the past. Um, you know, my take on this is um, I think this is a great I idea. I do support the bill. I think there's ways to mitigate uh, the issues by having filtration and by having uh, cigar bar type air filters and, you know, air changes. Uh, so there's ways to do this in a safe way. Um, and I do think that social consumption where you're allowed to like consume foods is a common sense harm reduction measure. Uh, and you know, th that's how people, if they're, that's how you keep people from getting over intoxicated is by allowing food and coffee to be freely sold to them. And so I do welcome the opportunity to go hang out in uh, Jason's future cannabis cafe in West Hollywood. Oh yeah. Oh, one day soon, Omar. One day soon. Yes. Like so the, the headline is Bill Allowing Amsterdam Style Cannabis Cafes Passes California Assembly. This is Omar Figueroa, a lawyer, publisher, Ganji instructor, and about to get beat up in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, for High at Nine News, High Noon Eastern. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, Omar, do we know, because I I've, I know there's a few different bills that, that were floating around, and they're all very, very similar. There's one that allows for, for ticket sales as well as food sales. I think this is the one. Is, th is this that one? So, yeah. so allow for, for ticket sales for events on top of food sales. Um, but this this will be a big big thing. We 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 need this in California for our lounges. I'm a big uh, advocate for this, and and I know um, Emerald Village, which is the association for the uh, cannabis businesses within West Hollywood, also supports uh, this initiative as well. That's what I think. It's the best way to really enjoy cannabis in public is in a cafe style situation, right? I mean, just a lounge where you can go and smoke and play video games. Not so much. I mean, but going to a restaurant, a coffee shop, or whatever, and, uh, you know, having a cup of coffee and a joint, mm -hmm. you know, what could be better than that? <laughs> right. I can imagine creatives of all sorts spending their day at the yeah. cannabis coffee house Word. where oh, they're yeah. just awash in new ideas surrounded by other creatives. You know, yeah. you know that's going to happen. Smoking a pancake. Oh, <laughs> oh, hold on, guys. Hold on. Hold on. We have a, we have an alert. We have an alert. Justin has just said, I think this is more for Live Nation, not for brick and mortars. Oh, boy, the conspiracy theorist. Here we go. I think there's good stuff, man. Um, uh, Todd, you're out in Vegas where they are opening that new Lexi Hotel. We talked about that a little bit this week, too. Um the fact that they do not have, <clears throat> excuse me, they do not have a consumption license there. Uh, do you see like this 
cafe style being a boon for like, like the uh, Nevada community as well? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, you know, uh, right, right now there's only one and, uh, others will soon be operating, but, um, you know, it's such a great business model to be able to eat food and smoke weed, right? It just makes mm -hmm. sense. So, yeah. you know, a standalone lounge that doesn't serve food or drinks or anything like that. I mean, I'm not sure I'm going there, right? I'd rather be in my backyard or at my house or, yeah. or wherever, you know, but, um, when there's food involved, then it's a whole different deal. You know, much like the, the old cannabis cafe in, uh, in California. Um, I loved going there. It was a great setup. It really was a, uh, fun place to go. And, uh, you know, everybody had a great time. I see Jason's I itching to come uh, in. Uh, well, <laughs> we did some interviews there back back then when when when, right. they, when when they first opened, and um and I'm just I'm just thinking, Todd. You know you know who really needs to get on this too. All right, and who could who could capitalize all this is all the cigar bars and just allow people to smoke cannabis in there too. And I mean, you already you're already set up for success because your business model is already working. All you're doing is adding more customers to your business. Um, I'm not sure. I've only been to um, I guess like cigar speakeasies, so that were Todd actually goes to cigar bars all the time. Well, and well, yeah, saying, like, in, in California, right in. Are, are they allowed to at cigar bars? Are they allowed to serve alcohol too? Yes, they all serve alcohol. Yes. What? Yeah, they are all serve alcohol, and it's funny because I do have uh, some friends who do own some cigar bars here in uh, in Vegas, and you know they they don't want to mix it because yeah, the cigar smoker, unlike myself, um, isn't really the same as the cannabis smoker, and the the cigar guys really want to do their cigar thing, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a clubhouse. Yeah. And, you know, they feel like opening it up to stoners uh, will ruin their whole at low class. Yeah. See, that, see, that, that, that's that's their whole thing is that is that if they just thought about it, most of their friends are already smoking weed, too. Yeah. OK. And yeah, so, that's like, yeah. That's, I didn't want to sound I didn't want to sound all elitist and everything there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, very no, much. I agree. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, the problem is. Uh, you know, you can't buy weed at a, a cigar at a cigar place. Right. Mm. So all of that, you know, regulation and, and you know, licensing that is necessary. It's difficult to run a cigar bar because of the tobacco laws mm -hmm. and tobacco taxes. Uh, so not being able to buy it there would be a big hindrance because uh, that's how they make their money. Yeah. And tobacco is heavily regulated by the Fed. So until we have federal reform, we're not going to see. Uh, cigar bars where cannabis is also oh. sold and consumed, which I would like to propose should be called CrossFade Central. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, the baby. Omar. Uh, Omar, you should also, uh, in, in regards with all of that, you should also, uh, if you're going to have it as a CrossFade Central, I mean, I think someone just needs to take the ball and just run with it and bring the concept kind of like this Lexi Hotel and see what they're going to do. I mean, you can always make a separate section or a special extra room in your cigar lounge that you're not going to serve alcohol into, and then you could just allow for cannabis. Yeah, it's like sex for your shins. I need to step up, and I'll promote them. Come <laughs> unwind and unplug at Crossfade Central. Exactly. Oh, yes, pull it out and put it back in, baby. You know, the the right. big news about this bill, though, is immediately every dispensary can start selling coffee and be wildly profitable because it'll be selling 10 cents yeah, that's for right. five bucks. That's right. yeah. Bam. Yeah. Let the weed store sell coffee. That's our new that's our new rallying cry. <laughs> <laughs> probably take most of that still, though, Matthew. 
Oh, thirty-five percent coffee tax. <laughs> Jesus, let's, let's, let's keep you rolling. Um, so um, up next and bringing us home today, it is the Golden Voice Dope Granddaddy himself. He is the co-founder of the Smuggleverse, president and founder of Digipath Labs. Giving us the business today is Todd Dinkin. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My uh, uh, story is uh, continuing our international theme. Uh, it's from the Beard Brothers, and they say when consumers spend money on cannabis, they are spending less and less money on alcohol. Cannabis legalization has become a significant topic of conversation in the last few years, as we all know, especially as more and more countries around the world begin to legalize it. In Canada, recreational cannabis was legalized on October 17, 2018. And this grand policy experiment provides an interesting opportunity to look at the effects of federally legal cannabis on alcohol consumption. A recent study published by Science Direct provides valuable insight into the relationship between cannabis and alcohol in Canada. The study found that every dollar spent on cannabis was associated with a reduction in alcohol consumption, meaning that when people buy cannabis instead of alcohol, they are likely to reduce their overall alcohol intake. This has huge implications for the alcoholic beverage industry, which has long been concerned about how legal access to cannabis could potentially reduce its profits. The study found that legal sales of medical cannabis in Canada were associated with a reduction in overall alcohol consumption. This finding is particularly noteworthy because it suggests that when people have access to cannabis, they are likely to reduce their intake of alcohol. Interestingly, this relationship was found to be slightly stronger for wine sales than it was for beer or spirits, meaning that cannabis could potentially be seen as a substitute for wine rather than simply a complement. Furthermore, the study also found that the rate of decrease in alcohol consumption increased over time, suggesting that as more and more consumers gain access to legal cannabis options, the decline in alcohol intake will become even more pronounced. The implications of this study are far-reaching. It suggests that legal access to cannabis could effectively reduce alcohol consumption amongst uh, consumers, which could have significant public health benefits as well. Second, it could seriously threaten the alcohol beverage industry, which now must compete with legal cannabis options for consumer dollars. Lastly, it shows how quickly the cannabis industry is growing and maturing, offering high-quality products that can successfully compete with alcohol beverages. The findings of this study suggest that legal access to cannabis has had a significant impact on alcohol consumption in Canada. Every dollar spent on medical cannabis is associated with an overall reduction in alcohol sales, and this effect has been increasing over time. This could have profound implications for both public health and the alcohol beverage industry, now facing stiff competition from the rapidly growing cannabis industry. These, these findings provide a strong case for supporting further legalization efforts to expand access to legal cannabis options, something that could pot potentially reduce alcohol consumption and lead to improved public health outcomes. According to the uh, Republic report, the top five anti-cannabis industries are police unions, for-profit prisons, and number three, alcohol and beer companies, big pharma, and then finally, prison guard unions will this new study show how big al alcohol uh that it needs to coexist with cannabis 
or will they just increase spending on lobbying against this beloved plant? What say you guys? I'm Todd Dankin with High at Nine News. And uh, I think that they're going to just spend more and more money, right? Rather than embracing uh, cannabis and cannabis consumption, uh, they're just going to keep lobbying against it. Uh, um, Thanks for covering that, uh, that, Todd. Um, I know the Canadians love the Labatt Blue up there. And um, I think this is a warning shot, man. And if more alcohol conglomerates aren't getting into the cannabis field, like they should. Period. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that list. Where did that list come from, Todd? Where do they source that, that and, and number those in that order? You're on mute. You're on mute, Todd. Oh, there we go. Oh, uh, it was the Republic Report and also uh, Leafly uh, also con- uh, confirmed these are the top five anti-cannabis uh, lobbies. But based off of what? There's money being spent to help prevent cannabis legalization. I'm not I'm not not buying that one. I'm not buying that one. I I think there's some other groups that 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 should be up in there, at least in the number two, number three spot that weren't even mentioned in the top five. I think we should call Leafly. Here's a story from Leafly uh, saying that police and prisons uh, support prohibition. And we, we all know that we, yeah, that's, that, that's common. I like, I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be on the list. That's not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is I'm saying that there's some other groups that I think that, that were, aren't even on that list that are being overlooked. Did you see a guy telling you that though? Pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Pharma is on the list. Yeah. Big pharma I, is number I four. Pharma at all. Yeah. I'm big, sorry. big pharma is number four. My bad. You're high, Jason. So the cool thing here is that, we're getting an abundance of, of actual trackable data that there's a shadow around dispensaries where violence is lessened, where alcohol and opioid use is lessened. We're getting other data showing that the more cannabis is legalized, actually, a lot of our, our youth are pulling back on their amount of use. And and so what we're going to just see is we're going to we're going to see increasing that herb is the healing of the nations, like the Rastafari always said. And the more people use cannabis, the less people are going to be dying in DUIs, the less people are going to have liver damage from alcohol. I think it's a I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think cannabis is going to be the gateway drug for at least plant based psychedelics and the recognition of the healing of these plants and fungi that grow from the earth for us to use. Yeah, I think uh, Sean Kiernan, who's uh, typing in the text here, made a good point that it also helps the addiction industry. Right. I mean, people use cannabis to get off these opiates and get off of uh, all of these harder drugs, including alcohol. Yep. And, and it's been proven to do that. Agreed. Very much so. <clears throat> Very much all right. so. Ready, Rico? Oh, I'm ready. Friday. Thank you all for joining for today's episode of High 9 News. You can always catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments projected live on the big screen, and also the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us the feedback on the daily headlines of chaos. Our vetted Correspondent team tuning in from all over the globe, bringing us much needed variety and perspective of your respective opinions uh, to the table. Uh, Big shout out to um, uh, the ladies, Gretchen, Gailey, and uh, Nicole Buffong doing their thing out in New York this week at CWCBE. We miss y'all, and the audience does too. Can't wait to get your takes next week back in the building. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, The 91 Club, all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding things down as she always does over there on Clubhouse. To the haters out there, hope you guys have a great weekend and um, smoke some cigarettes.
terrible. <laughs> Seriously, bring that industry back.